Hi, this is Adam Rowe, a global Methodist pastor welcoming you to Whole in Christ. Here we delve into the life-changing essence of God's love, exploring its role in perfecting us and transforming our everyday lives. As we journey together, let's unravel spiritual truths, cultivate personal growth, and discover how we can become whole in Christ. Ready for a transformative experience? Let's get started. Welcome back, friends. We got our first snow yesterday in Alaska. It is it was September 24th, which is pretty crazy. However, I am going back home to Phoenix soon, so that's exciting news for me. And uh, I guess I'm getting out just in time. I got to see Alaska fall without getting too much of Alaska winter, and now I get to go back home. So I'm pretty excited for that. Also excited for all the stuff that's happening with the church launch. Um, we're incorporated now, which is awesome. And we have an employee identification number, which is also awesome. And when I get home, we're going to really start working on getting Renewal Methodist Church up and going. So exciting times for Whole in Christ and looking forward to continuing our series today with you in Romans. Today, we're going to be looking at Romans 4, verses 13 through 24. That's Romans 4, verses 13 through 24, where Paul is going to continue to talk to us about the righteousness of faith. I will be reading from the English Standard Version. I'll start by reading the, the passage in whole, and then we will go line by line. Romans 4, verses 13 through 24. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespass and raised for our justification. You know, friends, uh, I sometimes hear people debate about the role of, uh, the continuing role of Israel and in times and things of that nature. And I may be a simpleton when it comes to theology, but at least from the perspective of Paul, I feel like it's fairly clear what it means to be an Israelite, um, a spiritual Israelite. And that is to have faith in the God that was revealed to the Israelites. It's, it's not genealogy, it's faith, it's spirit. 
And we start today's passage in verse 13 for, with, with this understanding. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Again, Paul goes back to the idea that Abraham's righteousness was not the law, uh, the law that he had received, the law of the Jewish religion, but the law of righteousness, the faith, the righteousness of faith. So Abraham's righteousness was righteousness because he had faith in God. Verse 14, for it is the adherents of the law who were to be the heirs, for if it is the adherents of the law who is to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. What Paul's not saying here is that the law was unimportant. Uh, it obviously was important. It carved out identity for the Jewish people. It was sort of like the container, the vessel, within which Jesus would be delivered to all the world. But the laws that distinctly carved out identity for Israel did not ensure that everyone had faith. In fact, there were many people of Israel who did not have faith, and they perished as a result of that. We should not expect them to be restored. Uh, we should instead in expect that all of those who passed away in faith were Israel, true Israel. And again, um, if the law is the thing that justifies, then faith is null and the promise of God is void. Verse 15, for the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. All right, moving down to verse 16. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. What do laws tend to do? Well, what they tend to do is make us feel like we've done a good job if we follow them. And if we don't follow them well, very often what we'll try to do is conceal them. I don't know about you, but the last time I was driving over the speed limit, I didn't go to my nearest police station and readily admit to the fact that I had not followed the law. Uh, however, when I see a police officer and I'm going the speed limit, there's a small part of pride that kind of comes over me like, yeah, I did something good, right? Well, what Paul is saying here is that in matters of salvation, there's nothing that we can do in regards to the law that God gives to us that allows us to stand justified before God. Faith precedes because faith looks to God who created both law and gospel. So it's not as if God didn't create law. It's not as if he didn't create gospel. He's the creator of both. So whenever we do something well, we should attribute that to the goodness of God because it is through the goodness of God that we know it's good. But really, that's just a rest. That's just a, a, a spiritual recumbency upon the goodness of God and what he has done for us. The promise rests on grace. All of God's promises rest on grace. They are given to us through the goodness and graciousness of God. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham. That's where Paul gets most specific. 
the faith of Israel is not in its laws. Otherwise, Gentiles would never be brought into the faith. The faith of Israel is faith in God. And when we place our faith in the grace of God, we share the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, many nations, not just the nation of Israel. See how Paul is broadening this. Whereas many Israelites would have seen only themselves as being the people of promise. Paul points out here that Abraham is the father not only of the Israelites, but of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Paul is obviously referencing back to creation ex nihilo and Genesis 3 here. He creates things or brings things into existence that do not exist. But in addition to this, uh, we have to think of it from a spiritual lens. Faith, properly speaking, may not have existed for Gentiles for a very long time, but God can create into existence things that do not exist. And Paul is saying here that that is precisely what God does for us who are counted as Gentiles. He brought faith to us through the reading of his word so that we might share the faith of Abraham, the faith of Abraham, even if we don't share the law of Abraham. Verse 18, in hope, Abraham believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. And he did become the father of many nations. Every nation where people have converted to Jesus Christ and are following our Heavenly Father, that is the offspring of Abraham because it's connected to the faith of Abraham. Verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which is as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do just what he had promised. Again, Abraham's faith leans on the promise of God. That's what faith is. It, it's really just receiving the promise, accepting it, and believing it, and then living it out. Abraham and Sarah, they heard the word of promise that this child, that Isaac was going to be born to them, and Abraham received it in faith. And that faith is counted to him as righteousness. So when we look at that, what we might want to ask ourselves is, okay, we maybe aren't going to have faith that God is going to make many nations of us, but what does it mean to believe in God and to share the faith of Abraham? Well, what it means is when God reveals his will to us and his way to us, we believe it. That is most specifically through his holy word, scripture. 
and it's found in the person of Jesus. It's most fully manifested in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, the whole of it. So when we place our faith in God, we are living a fulfilled life by placing our faith in Jesus, understanding that that is the location of our faith. And if Abraham, if Moses, if Isaac, if, if all of the, the fathers of the faith had known of Jesus, we trust that they would have followed Jesus as well. That's what connects our faith. It's connection to our Heavenly Father, which also connects us to all the Trinity, Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Counted to him as righteousness. Again, Abraham didn't have Jesus to place his faith in explicitly. But the faith of Jesus is the faith of the Heavenly Father. So we trust that if Abraham had seen Jesus face to face, he would have recognized the Heavenly Father through Jesus, and he would have followed him. In verse 22, that, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespass and raised for our justification. Our belief in God directly ties back to what God did for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He raised Jesus from the dead. He delivered him up for our trespass, and he raised him from the dead for our salvation. To believe in that is to share in the faith of Abraham, which means something kind of audacious. And I think Christians may not understand this, and I don't know that they confess this as much as they should. We have the faith of Abraham. We may not have the laws of Abraham, but we have the faith of Abraham, and that is enough. That is always enough. That's it for today, folks. Thanks for following along and listening. I hope you got something out of this, and I look forward to starting in Romans 5 with you next time. God bless and have a great day. Thanks for joining us today. We deeply value your support, and we're always eager to hear your thoughts. Please feel free to leave a comment about today's episode, and if you have any prayer requests, we'd be honored to bring those before God with you. Remember, if you're finding value in our conversations, we'd appreciate it if you could rate us and subscribe to stay updated on all our upcoming episodes. Thank you for being part of our community, and may you be richly blessed in your journey with Christ.